You are Locked On Eagles, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everyone, to the Locked On Eagles podcast, courtesy of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Louis DiBiase, the new host of Locked On Eagles. Hopefully this is the first show of many that you tune into this year as we get all things Philadelphia Eagles. Check that, the 2017 Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. I'm honored honored to be in this position to have you guys tune in and get my takes on the team that really I owe everything to. So just a little bit about me. I'm 21 years old. I'm a journalism major studying at Buffalo State University in Buffalo, New York, where I grew up and have lived all my life. So yeah, I may not be right in the nest of Philadelphia, but Look, I bleed green just the same as all of you. I also am a producer at WGR Sports Radio 550, which is the flagship flagship station of the Buffalo Bills. So that's what I do up here, but I have I have way too many takes on the Philadelphia Eagles that just aren't appreciated up here. So the fact that I get to come to you five days a week and share my Eagles takes is, is a dream come true, especially on such an awesome network like the Locked On Podcast Network. I, I just want to thank David Locke for giving me this opportunity. I know I have big shoes to fill with Ben Soyak and Michael Kist heading over to Bleeding Green Nation. They did an incredible job with this show, and you know, I hope I can make them and all of you proud. I know they had a, a big listening here. The, you know, their film study was it was incredible, and you know, they brought all of that over to Bleeding Green Nation. And you know, I hope to follow in their footsteps and bring you a, a really good podcast here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast again, five days a week with with a little spice to it, some some new takes from me. You know, a, a new a new perspective I, I think is good. So, but again, really humbled and honored to be in this position, being able to talk about the team I absolutely adore five days a week so uh, you can check us out again the locked on podcast network which you can find on apple Podcasts, stitcher uh itunes and apple Podcasts are the same thing now so you know apple podcast stitcher spotify and of course lockdowneagles.com where i'm also going to be posting uh weekly articles and columns throughout the year on regular season stuff playoffs hopefully another super bowl the draft free agency trade rumors you name it uh i'll get it all covered so uh most people ask me why I am an Eagles fan in Buffalo, and I'll be truthful with you. I decided that when I really wanted to get into football and sports when I was six years old in 2003, really dating me, I know, that I wanted my own thing. I, I was a very independent person, and my whole family and friends were Bills fans. Let's be honest, the Bills have been awful for 17 years now. This is the first year that they made the playoffs in my lifetime, essentially. I mean, I was two years old the last time the Bills were playing. They had Doug Flutie was their quarterback. And with little to no star power or big memories to make for a six-year-old watching the team, they didn't really make a great pitch to me. But I love the passion of Buffalo with sports, and I wanted something similar to that. And that's why I chose Philadelphia. I think that's really what they're all about. And, you know, my brother really liked the Eagles when he was younger, and he's someone I've always looked up to. So I kind of wanted to be like him, too, and take over as the Birds fan of the household. And I think I'm like many fans my age and younger, you know. We're prone to gravitate towards players first, which then help develop a relationship with a team. And, you know, guys like Donovan McNabb, Brian Westbrook, eventually Michael Vick, you know, LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, just the Eagles, let's be honest, have had some really exciting players in the past. And, you know, hearing my dad and my relatives talk up the likes of Randall Cunningham and Reggie White in the 90s, you know, it's, it's a team that I gravitated towards. And look, I just, I don't think that because you were born in a city that you have to be loyal to that team. And I don't know if that'll rub some people the wrong way, but I guess that's the kind of generation I'm in right, right now. And you know, I'm not in an age where you're exposed to every team, every game all the time. And, you know, now that we are in that age, you see a more exciting product elsewhere. And 
I'm not for jumping ship every time a team goes through hardships. You know, I, I'm not. I'm certainly not a bandwagoner. You know, I've I've been an Eagles fan. You know, since I was little. But sports is a hobby to me, and I feel like you want to make that enjoyable. So I'm very liberal with my fan policy. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Um, I compare it to a relationship like. It isn't always an amazing story about how you met. You know, you saved her from a burning building or you fell in love at first sight, you know, whatever. Maybe you met on a dating app. It isn't always about the beginning. It's about the bond that's formed with the team, you know, and with the time that you have and what the finished product is. And I can say that me and the Eagles are a part of each other now. You know, they're the reason I wanted to work in sports. You know, they're the reason for becoming – I became so passionate with things and people I love and they just really represent me, I feel like, as a person, the city and the team especially, and especially this 2017 Eagles team, hands down, with the, with the underdog story, with Nick Foles taking over, you know, Doug Peterson, just basically, essentially, the Jason Kelsey speech, I feel like just represents me and the entire city, so, again, I've been a fan for 15 years, I, I went through the end of the McNabb era, uh, the, the Kevin Cobb short-lived era for, what, a week, that's it, not even, a quarter before Michael Vick came in in that Packers season opener in 2010, when they went down. The Vic era, you know, the 2010 exciting season, making the playoffs, that comeback player of the year, uh, incredible run. The dream team era, you know, with Namdi Asamoa and Dominique Rogers, cromartie Cullen Jenkins, Jason Babin. Yeah, I know you remember that. It probably hurts you just hearing some of those names. So that era, the 4-12 and 2012 season. And then the Chip Kelly phase, you know, the, the, the whirlwind of the two straight 10-6 and six seasons. You think Chip Kelly's taken over the league and then – you know, he blows the team up in 2015. I will be honest, though, as an Eagles fan I, and as a journalist, just a member of the media, I love chaos. And that 2015 offseason with Chip Kelly was probably the most fun I've ever had as an Eagles fan before the Super Bowl run, honestly. It was, you know, not knowing who's going to be the quarterback when they traded for Bradford, but people thought it was a, a trade chip, no pun intended, for Marcus Mariota. Remember, Chip even said, I'm the only chip here. And. You know, Sam, so it was Sam Bradford. They traded a quarterback for quarterback swap, sending away Nick Foles to St. Louis. I mean, that hasn't happened. When was the last time there was a QB for QB swap outside of that one trade? Uh, and, you know, he went out 7-9. and nine. They got rid of that team that DeMarco Murray led. And we finally are here with some stability. We're back to the... We're back to the consistent contending year in and year out. I feel like with the Wentz-Peterson, dare I say, Nick Foles era, just because he won us a Super Bowl, I feel inclined to throw him in there. But, you know, I've stuck with the Eagles. The city has really embraced me. I'm down there probably five or six times a year going to games, training camp, just visiting the city. And amazingly enough, I met, you know, a great girl last year who has family in Philadelphia that are diehard Eagles fans. So I hit the jackpot, I feel like, especially in a year where the Eagles made and won the Super Bowl. You know, I got to be down there for the win. I watched the game at the Fillmore with Sports Radio 94 WIP. Partied on Broadway where I, I literally stayed in a hotel on Broad Street where there were Broadway where, you know, the the riots essentially were going down. The celebration, it was awesome. Seeing people climbing on street poles and uh, someone ate horse feces, which is not recommended, but they were climbing City Hall and it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. So trust me, I'm not some fake Eagles fan that just hopped on when the Super Bowl uh, victory happened. I have gotten a lot of looks up here in Buffalo with, you know, I wear Eagles gear all the time. In high school, I was known as the guy that wore Eagles stuff. People knew me as the Eagles fan. That's that's what I was known for in high school, middle school, just growing up. And I, I get a little bit more suspicious looks now because – 
you know, I am in Buffalo and the Eagles just won a Super Bowl. I probably get a lot of people talking that I'm a bandwagoner, but I'm not. Trust me. I've, I've been through all the tough stuff in Philadelphia, just like you have. So again, I'm honored to be heading up Lockdown Eagles, and I, I hope you check me out all year round and into the future. I'll be getting great guests on, fun segments, lots of different topics. I'll be writing weekly on our site, which is LockdownEagles.com, and podcasting five days a week, which, again, you can find on LockdownEagles.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, shameless plug, you can follow me on Twitter, at DiBiaseLOE, which is where I'll be posting our polls of the day for, for the Eagles. If you have any questions, you can send it to me. I'll hopefully get it over the podcast. You know, Again, we have five of, uh, a week, so I'd like to get fan questions as well throughout the show. I, I want to make this as interactive as possible, so make you a part of the show, and I, I feel like that'll make the show a lot better. So coming up next on Lockdown Eagles, we're going to be discussing the Eagles' best positional groups on both offense and defense. So let's be honest, this team is really deep all across the board, and it's part of why when they suffered so many injuries in 2017 that they were able to continue that run into the playoffs and eventually win the Super Bowl. But first, if your company is interested in men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring the Lockdown Eagles podcast. Lockdown Eagles is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want men 18 to 44, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are reasonable. Email me at LockdownEagles at gmail.com to find out more. So, up next now here on the Lockdown Eagles podcast, we're going best positional groups of this team. And again, this is, I think, a really interesting topic because the Eagles have so much talent across the board at quarterback, offensive line, running back, receiver, you name it. Then you go to the defensive side, you got all pro talent all over on every level of this team. Heck, even on special teams, the Eagles have been consistently a force on that side of the ball as well for for years since really the start of the Chip Kelly era, honestly. And, you know, again, that's why when the Eagles went down last year, when they lost Jordan Hicks and they lost Jason Peters and Carson Wentz and Darren Sproles, they were able to, you know, mask those injuries with so much depth because they – you know, Howie Roseman, hats off to him and Joe Douglas. They have built this team into a juggernaut, and they can sustain. You know, you just think about it. Like, the all-IR team, the the Philadelphia Eagle IR team last year is probably the best all-time when you think about it. You had injured, you know, out for the season, you had an MVP-level quarterback in Carson Wentz with 33 touchdowns and, and you know, 11 games and uh, – in 13 games, excuse me, and then you had Jason Peters, who's a Hall of Fame left tackle, who at 36 years old still plays at an all-pro level. He went down. Then you have Darren Sproles, who probably is another Hall of Fame player at running back, one of the best versatile running backs ever, you know, in the receiving game, running game, punt game, punt return game, excuse me. You know, you got those three, and then Jordan Hicks on the defensive side, that, that's a guy that... You know, his, you know, when you look at his numbers for the first couple years of his career, you know, I know he's been dealing with injuries, but in the turnover game, he has become one of the most underrated inside linebackers in the NFL. And, you know, we'll see how he does uh, in this next coming season. It's a big year for him in a contract year. But you look at those four, and heck, even Chris Maragos, the captain of special teams, going down last year. So they lost a lot, and they were still able to bounce back back and win a Super Bowl because of the depth and the talent that they had all across the board. You know, they could rely more on the passing game, you know, when Sproles went down. And then when Wentz went down, Foles did well, but they relied on the offensive line and the run game with Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, and Corey Clement. So 
I, I put up a poll a couple days ago to see what fans thought. Again, I want to make this show as interactive as possible. I want to know what you think. So, again, if you ever have questions and contribute to our Lockdown Eagles polls, follow me, again, at DiBiase, L-O-E. That's D-I-B-I-A-S-E-L-O-E on Twitter. So, on offense, I, I put up off. I put quarterback, running back, receivers, tight ends, and offensive line. Quarterback won the poll at 50%. 17% of you said running backs, 0% said wide receiver and tight end, and 33% of you said offensive line, which I thought this was an interesting poll, uh, the offensive side especially because, there, like I said, there's talent everywhere. You know, you look at you look at quarterback, Nick Foles, Super Bowl MVP. You know, it's funny, I, I didn't mean to mention him first over Carson Wentz because <laughs> Wentz is the guy, and when he comes back from his torn ACL, he, he looks really good in OTAs so far. He, he's going to be the guy, again. 33 touchdowns, which is an all-time record for an Eagles quarterback in a season last year. He, only in year three, he's the guy. But you add that with your backup quarterback as a Super Bowl MVP. And not only that, but Nick Foles, it wasn't just a one-year thing. He had a t- year he, he had a year where he started and threw 27 touchdowns and only two picks. So yeah, were there was there a gap of mediocrity for Foles? Absolutely. But he's had two historic runs now. And you you add that with Wentz, and heck, even as a third string, Nate Sudfeld. The Eagles really like what they have in Sudfeld. I thought he was impressive in that Week 17 game against Dallas. I thought he showed some good things. You remember that long run he had? Uh, he's no he's no number seven Michael Vick, but he he showed some stuff. And I, I feel like Sudfeld could grow into maybe the backup of the future when Nick Foles eventually leaves next year in free agency to be a starter, which is is it's inevitable. It's it's going to happen. That's why we should have traded him for the 35th pick, but I digress. <laughs> I, I think quarterback is the right answer, and that's what you guys said. 50% of you uh, selected quarterback as the most talented offensive positional group. Again, 17% said running back. I, I think running back might be the deepest, but not as talented. You know, the offensive line makes the run game work. That's why so many running backs can come in and succeed. Last year, it was LeGarrette Blunt, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood got touches early in the season. Jay Ajayi, once they traded, uh, when they traded for him from Miami, you know, Ajayi was huge. He, he really was. After contact, he was the most efficient running back in the league last year. And with a workload that is closer to his 2016 year with Miami, where he had multiple 200-yard games, behind a better offensive line, you add that with Corey Clement in year two, a healthy Darren Sproles, and the running back core could be a sleeper, but... Look, it's not it's not the quarterback position where you have two players that should have won MVPs in two different aspects. You know, Foles won Super Bowl MVP. I still could have wouldn't have been surprised if Carson Wentz won MVP last year of the NFL just because of how dominant he was in those thirteen games he played. But you you said thirty three percent offensive line, and I, I I like that. I I really do because the Eagles' offensive line last year was dynamic it was dominant it was athletic it was strong it was everything you could think of and they and they lost Jason Peters they lost their the 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 core the backbone of that offensive line the leader Jason Peters I was at the game Monday Night Football against Washington when he went down and look he him you know he was he was coaching up Halapulivati Vaitai you know, when he was on the cart getting wheeled out. That's a huge loss with Jason Peters last year. But, you know, you look at everything they had just across the board. 
Lane Johnson, probably the best right tackle in football, in my opinion. Brandon Brooks, Brandon Brooks at right guard, probably the, you know, Pro Football Focus thinks Brandon Brooks is the best right guard in football. You know, he went all of last year without allowing a sack. And in fact, Brandon Brooks has not allowed a sack since week one of the 2016 season against the Cleveland Browns. Carson Wentz's first game. And that was Brandon Brooks's first game as a Philadelphia Eagle because he signed him for agency coming from Houston two years ago. So since his first game ever as a Philadelphia Eagle, Brandon Brooks has never allowed a sack. So you have a probably the strongest right side of an offensive line in football. You had that with Jason Kelsey, who, look, we talk about comeback stories and underdog stories, something someone you can rally around. That That's Jason Kelsey. I mean, what, were we arguing last offseason if Isaac Somalu should replace him as a center? Jason Kelsey was, you know, dead in the water. People probably wanted him out of town. He He's had a very up-and-down career in Philadelphia. He came on underrated as a, as a low-end draft pick. Andy Reid gives him a starting job, and, you know, he, he played well in the, with the Chip Kelly era. He You know, they love to pull him and get him up to the second level blocking linebackers. He's probably the most athletic center in the league, and probably the fastest, you know, speed-wise. He gets up there. Uh, you used to see LaShawn McCoy following him, and now Ajayi. A so, Jason Kelsey again, and he's, he's probably the face of this line now after his Super Bowl parade speech, which was, again, historic, probably the know forget all the famous speeches in politics and in american history i think the jason kelsey speech man it blows everything else away out of the water and he had a 93.2 overall grade last year according to pro football focus and i don't like to refer to pff a lot you know i think there's some holes to their statistics i do appreciate what they do i like that they're you know going advanced with film study and using numbers around the you know film study creating their own stats i think it's an interesting venue of football that it's a nice tool that we can use i don't like to put all my eggs in the pff basket but for offensive line they do they numberize offensive lines you know there aren't stats for linemen normally but they've you know i i didn't play offensive line my background in football outside of watching it all my, my entire life so i feel like i know about the sport enough but I only played two years of football in high school, and I certainly wasn't an offensive lineman at 5'2", <laughs> maybe 80 pounds wet. So <laughs> I, I didn't know my, my background for offensive line isn't st- extremely strong, so I like to rely on PFF. I think that I, I trust their opinion with linemen, and, you know, they again, they, they make it, they perform, they create numbers with it. So Jason Kelsey had a 93.2 overall grade last year. He was in the top 10 of PFF's offensive linemen when, they, when in grading. And then you have, on the left side, again, Jason Peters is going to be back this year. I think Vitae really played well last year. He only had a 39.1 overall grade. But you look at what he did in the playoffs against Vic Beasley, uh, you know, in the, in the second round. The Falcons had some good pass rushers last year. And then you go up, you know, you, you got to play Minnesota in the NFC Championship game and Everson Griffin's coming after you. You know, Anthony Barr pass rushing a lot of the time. Big V had his hands full, and he did wonders against Griffin. You know, and in the running game, too. I thought Vitae really handled himself well. Again, he he was still the weak link of the line last year, but when we're talking about most talented positional groups, he's your backup left tackle right now, a guy that has playoff experience, someone that was competent enough to help you win a Super Bowl. You know, Nick Foles was kept really clean in the Super Bowl. And then you have Stephen Wisniewski at left guard, a guy that, 
you know, a couple years ago, you added him. He had a lot of starting experience in Jacksonville, more so at center, honestly, which is why it's just, he's another cool story because, you know, he's playing at left guard, which isn't even his natural position. And last year he was, you know, again, when you talk about the second half of the season, I don't know if there was a guy playing better in the run game at left guard than Steven Wisniewski, who had a 72.5 overall grade last year. They, they, the Eagles straight up best offensive line last year in football. They, they really did. Again, that's why so many players at running back could come in and dominate with, with the Eagles, or if not dominate, just, you know, run the ball efficiently. It was because, you know, if you go, you don't have to, you could go to the left side, you could go to the right side, up the middle, the A gap, B gap, C gap, whatever. They were able to be efficient because of so much talent on this line. And you add Jason Peters back now, you know, you have a versatile Matt Pryor from TCU who is a, who's going to be a rookie. He's a guy that can play guard and tackle, you know, which is what he did at TCU. So you get Vitae, another Horned Frog. I think that's kind of cool. But you have him on the bench, Chance Warmack, who's a, a former top 10 pick in the NFL draft. And then, you know, Isaac Sumalu, who left last year going into the season was your starting left guard. And he's versatile. He can play center, which is mainly what he did at Oregon State. You know, the Eagles selected him in the third round in the 2016 draft. I think they still have high hopes for him eventually to take over. You know, Wisniewski is not the youngest player, neither is Jason Kelsey. I feel like eventually Sumalo is still in the plans to take over. So uh, offensive line is very strong. And I think that outside of quarterback, again, because just Wentz and Foles together, that's the best combo in the NFL. At quarterback, I could argue Carson Wentz is a top five QB. I honestly, I truly believe that. And Nick Foles is the best backup in football. So I would probably rank it. You know, right now, according to you guys, it was quarterback, um, running back, or offensive line, excuse me, then running back, wide receiver, and tight end, you actually didn't vote at all. So I thought that was interesting because if, if what if I combined it and I said just, you know, the skill positions, so receiver and tight end. So there, at that point, you have Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, you know, Mike Wallace, who they just signed in the offseason, Zach Ertz, who's if not the best tight end in football, I'll still give that to Gronk, but Zach Ertz is probably the second best tight end in the NFL. He's certainly the most reliable, you know, health-wise. He's never injured most of the time. He has a few nicks here and there, but he's certainly in the lineup more than Rob Gronkowski. And then you add Dallas Goddard, who I think we're, we're all calling Philly Goddard at this point now, you know, as in the second round, a guy that has... I've seen a lot of comparisons to Travis Kelsey. He has some... Silky mitts, if I if I could make a hockey reference. He has some hands. You know, he's on the all-hands team in college football last year. And he's a Dakota boy, just like Carson Wentz, only he's a, he's a South Dakota boy, which is interesting. But if I, if I combine the entire skill positions for the Eagles, you know, wide receiver and tight end, I might want to take that over the other ones. I would probably still go quarterback, but... I think wide receiver and tight end combined would probably be my second choice because the Eagles have a lot of talent there as well. And that's not even mentioning Mac Hollins, who I think eventually will be a, I think eventually, you know, he's him and Mike Wallace are going to share time this year. Mike Wallace was pretty efficient in an abysmal passing game for Baltimore last year, a, a regressing Joe Flacco and Mike Wallace was able to still make plays and he's a significant upgrade over Torrey Smith you know he's a burner like Smith but I think he's faster you can play him in the slot he's got better hands Torrey Smith really had suffered the drops last year in Philadelphia hopefully he gets that fix in Carolina love the guy great follow on Twitter but 
he just wasn't a big, impactful player last year outside of the, the flea flicker catch in Minnesota, which we'll never forget. But, again, consistently, Torrey Smith wasn't huge. So you add Mike Wallace, and I think Matt Collins eventually will push him for playing time. And he's only in his second year, and he showed some good things last year. I, I really think he did. In the Washington game, he, he had a deep bomb from Carson Wentz. I think he showed that he can make plays down the field. I thought that, you know, they even used him really well in, you know, pick plays. I remember watching the uh, RPO video that NFL.com did with Doug Peterson showing Mac Collins' role in, you know, being a diversion for a defense. I think he, he played an underrated role last year, especially and as a blocker, too. He was willing to do everything. He's a good special teams player. And, look, we'll see what Shelton Gibson is in, in his second year. I think, you know, he said the game's really slowed down for him in year two at OTAs, and hopefully that's true because then he can start to use that big-time speed that he had at West Virginia because you didn't really see it in the preseason last year because he was tripping up on his routes. He was he was too in his head that he was tiptoeing around the line and, you know, across the middle. You just you didn't see that explosiveness because he just simply wasn't comfortable enough. And, and I feel like that's kind of like what we saw with Nelson Aguilar, too. And in the first two years, look, the Eagles relied on Nelson Aguilar because they simply just didn't have any other talent. I don't mean to hurt your head right now by saying the likes of Doriel Green Beckham and Josh Huff, but that's what the Eagles had on the outside of wide receiver. So then you saw Nelson Aguilar comfortable in the slot this year, and you saw that speed, which we saw at USC, and which is why he was a first-round pick uh, in, in 2015. So hopefully we get a little bit of that for Shelton Gibson in year two because Mike Wallace is older. It's only a one-year contract. The Eagles are tight against the cap. Again, they're going to be next offseason, and they have a lot of priority signings. So... I don't really expect Mike Wallace to be here after 2018. So Matt Collins and Shelton Gibson are going to be two names that they're going to probably have to step up in the receiving game. You know, if they want to keep Aguilar in the slot, I feel like Collins and or Gibson are going to need to have a role here with the Eagles. All right, let's go to the defensive side now. So the poll has defensive line at 78%. You guys have linebacker and cornerback tied at 11% each, and safety you had at 0%. And much like wide receiver and tight end, I feel like if I combined the secondary for you, maybe that would have changed the story because corner is extremely deep right now with, with young talent. I know it's not really proven talent outside of Jalen Mills last year. I feel like proved that he is a consistent starting cornerback in the NFL. But if I would have said Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod, you can also add into the likes of Jalen Mills, Sidney Jones, Razul Douglas, Ronald Darby, Avante Maddox, and Devontae Bosby, that, that might have been, I think, a better pitch to you because the majority of you went defensive line. And look, I'm okay with that. I, I am. 78% of you said defensive line. And I'm right there with you. It clearly right now is the best. But let's be honest. Brandon Graham... Chris Long, Michael Bennett, they're all over 30 years old. Derek Barnett, someone that I think is going to be a star in this league. He had, he's already he's had two of the most historic plays in Eagles history, recovering that fumble or the strip sack on Case Keenum in the NFC Championship game, and then recovering the fumble with two minutes left in the Super Bowl after the Brandon Graham sack. You know, recovering that fumble. Barnett's already been part of two of the best plays in Eagles history, or at least the most important when you think about it. So. I know he's going to be around for a while, and I really like Josh Sweat. I think he has a lot of potential. Hopefully, if his knee isn't a long-term issue that he suffered in high school, we'll see if maybe the Eagles stack him on IR this year. 
use Stephen Means more as the fifth defensive end in the rotation, which, again, normally they like to run a four-man rotation with probably Barnett and Brandon Graham and then Chris Long and Michael Bennett, who will be the replacement for Vinnie Curry. Steve Means was the fifth guy last year, and he only had one and a half sacks. He really only played a lot in the Week 17 game against Dallas where he got that sack. So um, Sweat probably won't have a huge role in 2018, but look, he's as a fourth-round pick, the only reason he's a fourth-round pick to me is because of the knee injury and because Florida State just didn't really use him in pass rush concepts. I feel like they really more used him as a a run stopper, a guy to absorb offensive linemen, try to open up holes for linebackers. I just don't, he even said it, you know, in his press conference after getting drafted. He just doesn't, he didn't think he was utilized well enough at Florida State, and I feel like that hurt his stock as well because people see the, the raw talent, you know, that come off the charts, but they didn't really get to see it on the field, and maybe that's why the Eagles, I think, could potentially be walking away with a steal in the fourth round with Josh Sweat. So, I, I clearly think the defensive line right now, and I didn't even mention Fletcher Cox because you know, what am I supposed to say about the guy? He's he's a star. He, he really is. And he, he's, outside of Aaron Donald, I'd probably say the best defensive tackle in football. You add Timmy Jernigan when he's healthy, Haloti Nada, who, again, if healthy, that's it's a big asterisk for those two up front in the interior. But just collectively, the Eagles have elite talent all over the board on defensive line. But I will say, for the future... I think my money's on the cornerback group, I think. Because even if Darby gets traded, you have Jalen Mills, Razul Douglas, Sidney Jones, and hopefully Maddox or Bosby becomes something. Because there's a lot of versatility there. There's It's all young talent. It's not proven. I, I've, I personally liked what I saw with Razul Douglas in the starts he had in place for Ronald Darby when he hurt his ankle week one against Washington. I thought... Douglas looked really good, and in zone coverage especially, I feel like there were a few picks that he left on the field, and he had some good ones. You know, I look back to the Giants game week three against Brandon Marshall and a really good Giants passing attack. I thought Razul Douglas really held his own, and he showed the ability to tackle, to come up on press man. I eventually think maybe Douglas will be converted to a safety, especially if Darby was retained, because, look, if Dar- Darby's probably going to price out, he probably is going to be too too high of a price tag for the Eagles next offseason with just so so many guys to be signed and such little cap space. But if they do end up retaining Darby, I still really like Jalen Mills. He had an elite playoff performance last year, especially in the in the Minnesota Vikings game and the, the Patriots game. When Rob Gronkowski was on his side in the Super Bowl, the first half, Gronk was irrelevant. Jalen Mills played exceptionally well on Gronk. Then they move Gronk over to the left side, and Darby gets shredded up. Gronk had over 100 yards receiving in the second half and the touchdown to take the lead. So, um, But Jalen Mills, to me, again, coming off an elite playoff performance. Sidney Jones, who has the most raw talent, I think he's going to blow up this year in Philadelphia. I really do. He, he was a second-round pick because of the torn Achilles, but Sidney Jones was a top-ten talent in last year's draft and probably would have went ahead of Marshawn Lattimore if he didn't get hurt. So, you know, I think that he's a player that is probably going to force someone like Jalen Mills to adapt to the slot or play safety because Sidney Jones is going to be starting on the outside. You're going to want him on the offense's best playmakers. You're just you're going to. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I feel like he can play in, in, in zone concepts. I feel like he can play in man, you know, off the ball and pressing. 
and he's had a hell of an OTAs. He's had some impressive interceptions. He had a, a really nice diving one on Nick Foles. And, I, and then you add Maddox maybe in the slot if Mills moves to safety or Douglas and eventually Darby gets traded away. You have Bosby or Maddox in the slot. Corner finally is not a problem for the Eagles. It's it's finally a asset instead of a liability. Uh, since the days of Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown, the Eagles have been recycling through corners. They've they tried, you know, Asante Samuel, I'll give the man, Mr. Pick Six himself, love the guy. Great follow on Twitter, by the way, as well. Just Mr. Pick Six was a star for Philadelphia. He was a stud in, in his time with the Eagles, but they rolled through outside of him. Ellis Hobbs, Husilio Hansen. God, then they went in free agency with Nambi Asimov. They tried trading for Dominic Rogers Camardi, who he just never adapted really in the Eagles defense. I think DRC's had a good career, but never panned out in Philly. And then you sign Chip Kelly goes with the stop gaps and Kerry Williams and Burt Toast, a.k.a. Bradley Fletcher. And then they didn't learn their lesson. They overpaid for another corner and Byron Maxwell. Oh God, Nolan Carroll. I mean, isn't it? Doesn't it hurt hearing all these names again? Because we're finally like, who's going to play corner? But in a good way. It's not who's going to play corner because all these guys are terrible. It's man, I could make the case for all you know five or six of these players that have a significant role with the Eagles right now and into the future. They're just they're that talented at the group. So you know, corner had eleven percent of the poll. I think in the future they're going to be the best one here and. I, I think that the Eagles are finally set up for success long-term at the quarterback position. Safety, you had at 0%. I see that. I think Malcolm Jenkins, I mean, when you think about it, Malcolm Jenkins isn't really even a safety. He's played, he played majority, you know, nickel and dime linebacker last year. They, they move him all around. He's the Swiss Army knife. He played slot corner. You know, he, he was an instrumental part of the, the run defense. Rodney McLeod a lot of times was playing single high safety or they used Corey Graham a lot and McLeod is a, is a very steady safety. I think he is one of the better safeties in the NFL. But, you know, outside of those two, you look at their depth, and it's Trey Sullivan and it's it's Jeremy Reeves. So, you know, not a lot of safety. So I understood that. But the same logic I didn't see for linebacker. I know it was only 11%, but Nigel Bradham and Jordan Hicks might be, when healthy, one of the best inside linebacking duos in the league. But... Jordan Hicks, I know he played 16 games two years ago in 2016, but he's had injuries now in three of his four seasons. I understand how good those two are, and Schwartz called Brad on the backbone of the defense last year. But outside of those guys, you got Gruger Hill, you got Corey Nelson, who you brought over from Denver, you cut Michael Kendricks. So, you know, Bradham and Kendricks is a really good one-two punch, and they don't use three linebackers a lot, but... Their depth isn't great, but it is about talent, and Hicks and Bradham are extremely talented. I mean, just look at the numbers. I don't know if Hicks gets enough love because he's hurt all the time, but in 2015, his rookie season, he only appeared in eight games. He had two picks, had a touchdown, three pass deflections. He had three fumble recoveries and a forced fumble and a sack on 42 tackles. Then the next year, when he started all 16 games, he had five interceptions. For an inside linebacker, that's that's one of, that's top in the, in the NFL for interceptions, that's normally top five. If you get four or five picks or more, you're normally at the upper tier in the league. And he had 11 pass deflections, another fumble recovery, and 58 tackles. I feel like when Jordan Hicks is healthy, he was he's the backbone of this defense. And maybe they'll give him some more strong side looks and have Nigel Bradham be inside in the middle. I, I, would, I would see that. You know, they can rely on him more. 
and he w- he played a huge role with that part of the defense last year when uh, Jordan Hicks went down. So very interesting stuff. I-, I think that the Eagles are in a great position no matter what they do, you know, or no matter what which uh, positional group you think is the right one. Look, the Eagles are extremely talented, and they should be favored to win the Super Bowl again this year if Carson Wentz is healthy, and even not because Nick Foles showed last year that he can get it done, and they have talent all across the board at every level. So it's a lot to be excited about here, and I appreciate you all tuning in to the very first edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and LockdownEagles.com. Make sure you tune in again tomorrow where we preview Razul Douglas. We start our player profiles, so we'll have that for you. All that and more. This has been the Lockdown Eagles podcast. I'm your new host, Lou DiBiase. We'll see you next time. Please rate, comment, and subscribe. Go Birds. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.